industry under pressure, innovation in its finest hour. This is the Oil & Gas Technology Podcast, where sharp minds reveal the brilliance and sheer determination turning great ideas into new realities. Hear about how it happens in real life with your host, Michael O'Sullivan. The views of the host are expressly his own and should not be construed as the views of any other corporation, consortium, governing body, or interplanetary federation. I gotta tell you the truth, folks. I'm having a little bit of trouble today coming up with that. <laughs> even even speaking, I'm having trouble even speaking. But I am having uh, a little difficulty coming up with my usual uh, clever and witty opener uh, for this part because I. So I, I'm sitting out here in our uh, in the Northwest Houston satellite studios of the Oil and Gas Global Network, uh, and which, by the way, is the largest and most listened to podcast network for the oil and energy industry. And I'm sitting out here and uh, looking out. Um, I'm, I'm behind the microphone, obviously, but but I can see out the window. And the sky is a bright blue, uh, not a cloud to be seen, uh, super sunny, if that's a thing. I don't know if that's a technically a weather term, but it is super sunny. And the temperature is, well, let's see, it's, uh, this is November now, remember, uh, the, the temperature is 59, but I know it's going to, it's going to get up and as the sun is now kind of up, up higher in the sky, uh, the sun, it's going to be, it's going to be even warmer. Now 59, uh, for those of you, um, uh, for, for those of you in other countries, that would be something like 15 degrees in your language, uh, which, you know, I think is summer in some places, but, uh, and it's going to, so I'm a little distracted. This is what I'm trying to tell you is I'm ready to get outside. Uh, it's Friday and, um, and, and so I'm just going to, this is just going to be quick, uh, which I know is going to disappoint a lot of people, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk for that long. I will tell you this on today's episode, um, which by the way, welcome to the oil and gas tech podcast, which, uh, as I already mentioned, is on the oil and gas global network. Um, uh, which by the way, a little, little pause here. If you're not familiar with, uh, I mean, you hear me say this thing, oil and gas, <laughs> see, it's just the words are not coming today. If you hear me say this thing, Oil & Gas Global Network, and um, do you ever wonder what that network, they all like network? That means that it's a network of podcasts, right? So uh, this is this is modern media, and uh, so we're not on TV, but we are on, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and all those usual places, and we have a whole bunch of shows that you can listen to. I think it's funny that we still say shows that you can listen to, but... Um, uh, so go to OGGN.com. You can learn about all the programs there. And uh, we cover a whole wide range of topics in oil and energy. And, um, you know, they're they're all great. And it uh, depends on what you're interested in. You probably, I, granted, you're probably not going to have time to listen to all 15 of them. But you can certainly pick out your favorites. Uh, you can learn about them on the website. And then you can go over to whatever your, you can link out right from there to your podcast platform, whatever whatever type of a listener you are. And, uh, and, and you should do that, but don't do it right now because, uh, then you will miss out on today's exciting feature. But after this is done, check out OGGN.com. Okay. 
A little note about today's episode, uh, which of course I already recorded, and now I'm doing this little this little introduction. Um, this was a I, I I loved being able to talk about uh, this today because we got this is the tech show, and as you know, as you've heard me say many times, this industry you know technology has been in the just in the lifeblood of this industry since long before we started talking about you know. Um, uh, digital and, and all of that, and and not just computing technology, but there's other kinds of technology, and so it was a great um, it was a great change of pace today to be able to bring on because we've we've because because digital transformation is so hot right now, you know we keep talking about about all of these um, you know sort of very com- very specific things that are very specific to data and computing and things like that but today uh, we, we have some of that as well but we have uh, a focus on real operational technology so technology that is directly connected uh, to what's actually happening out there where all the big iron is in the field and it was fun for me because this is actually a subject that I I didn't know anything about really very little I mean I just knew I knew it was a thing but I didn't know a whole lot about it uh so I'm not going to give any of it away because it's coming up here uh very soon and look at that I still managed to fill up four minutes and 30 seconds so ladies and gentlemen please give a warm OGG and welcome to Mr. Mark Freeman And that gets us to our guest today. I am sitting here at the fabulous Canon on the west side of Houston where the sun is always shining and the birds are always singing <laughs> and the people are always happy. And I'm sitting and, and Mark looks happy. You look I, at I'm incredibly, smile. yeah, very happy. So I'm here with Mark Freeman, who is um, president of a company called Intercorp. Yeah. Intercorp, which um, it's, it's like a very classic, like, like solid sounding company name. Yeah. It makes me think of like, News Corp and uh, like Intercorp, like, like Intercorp's not 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 a fly by night company, right? It sounds like it's like it's something real. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, so Intercorp, we've been in business for about ten years now, and um, I've been with the company about two and a half years. Yeah, yeah. And have uh, you know, started out as our chief commercial officer, now president of the company, and um, have really enjoyed the experience. Yeah. But yeah, so. Um, We've evolved a lot over those over that ten year period, which we're going to talk a lot about yeah, the we'll innovation yeah, and everything. Yeah. But, All right, but yeah, so let's so uh, so about you. Um, uh, there's a few things that I know. I know you're a mechanical engineer. Yep, and uh, which explains your like sparkling personality. That's right. Yeah, you're, you're, as you're every engineer always is. Right? Yeah, yep, absolutely. Haven't been able to get you to shut up since you walked in the door. <laughs> um, now, um, and I know that let's say it's like Oklahoma. I think. Yeah, right? that's right. But you're yep. from here, or you're. So I grew up in Oklahoma, um, went to school at Oklahoma State, go Pokes, and I got a degree in mechanical engineering, like you said. But then I have kind of a non-traditional start in oil and gas, so I actually started working for IBM straight out of school. Okay, which uh, part of it? So IBM, big friend of of OGGN, IBM, they sponsor one of our other shows. Awesome company. Um, I'm so blessed to have started my uh, work experience with such a great company, but uh, so I actually started in their printing division, so something that they don't do anymore. So, Uh, so, so for the listeners at home right now, what you don't realize is is Mark sounds young, but he's really 75 years old. (laughs) Not quite that old. (laughs) Uh, Some days it may feel like that, but not quite that old. Printing division. 
And yeah. for the younger people in the audience, you may have to explain what that is. I don't know. Yeah. If, if, well, and it's ironic because now I don't print anything. Ever. I right. I literally yeah. haven't printed something in two yeah, years. You don't even have to print the Amazon return things yeah. anymore because no way. you don't even have to do Why? that. Why? Right. It's yeah. Paper is yeah. a pain. So, yeah. But yeah, I started with the printing division. This was back in, you know, 2000. Yeah. Did yeah. <laughs> I muffle that enough? Yeah. Um, no. And a uh, great place to start my career, um, put, me, put me through a lot of training, uh, put me through my MBA. Um, yeah. Just really a tremendous experience. Then Got, you left them flat. After then they then I left them, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they invested seven years into me and then I left uh, yeah. for oil and gas and in right. 2006 joined Baker Hughes. Right, that's right. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. Have a few, quite a few years at Baker Hughes. Yeah, right? a total of about ten years with Baker Hughes on two different tours of duty. So I worked at, worked at Baker Hughes for about seven years, then left. Yeah, uh, and mostly in drilling. In the time that I was with Baker right. Hughes, drill bits and drilling services. Right. Uh, so great background. Uh, roles in operations and engineering, in sales, in product sales. management, sales. Um, yeah. So how did the mechanical engineer get to be a sales guy? Wow. Oh. You know, I don't it even actually know. happens more than you think. Yeah, yeah. 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 I I would have 100 percent if you would have said you're going to have a, a role in sales <laughs> like when no. I was starting out as an engineer. I would have thought no way. <laughs> um, but I think you know one of the things that that absolutely did attract me to sales and something that I've always enjoyed in sales roles is selling technology, selling innovation, selling selling a value proposition. And you need some subject matter expertise to do that. 100. I mean, this is an industry yeah. where we have a lot of you know science and engineering disciplines. Yeah. You, you can't, I mean, you, you have to have some credibility in those fields. No, absolutely. I think, um, you know, the buyers are technical in this, in this industry and right. what we do is very technical. And so, you know, understanding, um, understanding the processes that are happening and, you know, the physics of those operations right. and right. How, to, right. how to make them better is I think really where my, that technical background has come yeah. in handy yeah, for sure. Good. And most of the time you're selling in those fields, you're selling to people who don't really want to be sold to by That's right. to the quintessential sales guy, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so that works out. Yeah, so, and, and then you mentioned that before you, uh, before you took over the, the reins at Intercorp, this thing called chief commercial officer, yeah. which is kind of a new, um, I'm familiar with that role, uh, but like explain that a little bit. Yeah, so so Intercorp, I would say in the 2017 2018 range, grew very rapidly, mm -hmm. and um, the business was yeah yeah so yeah because we had just sort of like we're starting to gain steam again after the that that's little right. thing that yeah, happened in 14, 16, 15. Yeah, yeah, 14, 15, 16 were tough, and yeah. then 17, 18, 19 things were coming back you know, online, pretty yeah. nice, yeah. and um, and so the company had grown very quickly, and. Uh, our CEO, James Pung, at the time said, hey, I really see a part of our organization where we need someone that can come in and lead sales, marketing, and product development and bring those things together uh, as an organization. Right, right. And so James and I started talking about this, you know, probably six, eight months before I joined Intercorp. Okay. We had gotten to know each, know each other um, and uh, as we started to explore the possibility of this role, it made a lot of sense to me. It made a lot of sense to him. And it was just, it was a, it was a great time for me to join the company and sort of bring together those aspects of our business. Yeah, yeah, got you, got you. And so he's still, he's still the CEO, right? That's right. Right, yeah. So it's the traditional CEO president role right. where, you know, 
you do all the work and he gets all the glory. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't imagine how true that is, actually. <laughs> Just kidding, James. Yeah, uh, I've, been, I've been in your spot before. <laughs> so, so um, all right. So enough about you. Um, and however, the topic, the thing that kind of brought us into this conversation is is an area that just so happens Intercorp specializes in. But um, and this is going to be fun for me because we're going to talk about something that I really don't know anything about, which hardly ever happens. Every once in a while, every once in a while, <laughs> I can't imagine. Every once in a while. Yeah. So this whole thing about flowback, right? Which from our which which is a big thing in 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 for certain sure. in certain asset yeah. development and and from what we. In our in our little, uh, we were chatting before. What I understand so far is it kind of happens somewhere between completions and production. Right? That's right. Yeah. Um, particularly after fracking. So, yeah. so talk about this whole flowback thing, and and clearly it must be non-trivial if you've built kind of a a whole a whole offering around it. Yeah, right? absolutely. So, you know, here we are at the time of flowback, and that's when you're first bringing on the well, right? So. Uh, operators have spent somewhere between, you know, let's call it five to eight million dollars drilling and completing this well. Right. They've invested all this money to get to this point of production, right? And so now they're saying, okay, who's our trusted partner to bring this well online for us, right? And to help clean up the flow so that we can produce into our production facilities and start getting a return on this investment that we've made in our well. Yeah. yeah. And so that first, you know, sometimes flowback only lasts a few days, sometimes it may last, you know, uh, 60 days, but for that first period of time. 60 days? Yeah, it can. So you just have like garbage coming out for 60 days. Well, you know, it, it, it kind of depends on how you're producing that well and how you're opening it up over time, right? Hmm. So initially, if you're opening up slowly, you know, it may just be mostly water coming back initially. And then as you start to open your choke and uh, pull that well back harder and harder and harder, you may start producing solids. Um, and we're going to help you capture those solids, remove them from the, the production stream. And mostly when I'm saying solids, I'm talking about frac sand, right? So a lot of frac sand is returning. You don't want that getting into your production facilities. Uh, you don't want that getting downstream of your production facilities. It can cause tremendous amounts of yeah, damage, yeah. hundreds of thousands right. or millions, millions of dollars in damages. Um, yeah, it's like I've had that happen in the my garbage disposal a couple of times. There were some things that <laughs> shouldn't have got to the other side. Yeah, that's <laughs> it right. was a real problem. That's yeah, right. yeah. But but what we're trying to do is just help uh, help the client bring that well on as efficiently as possible, and um, yeah, and, yeah. You know, produce safely produce fluids to their to their production facilities as quickly as possible. Right. So let's so let's talk about this whole. Um, well, okay. So this is the tech show. So yeah. we're going to get, so, 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 so spoiler, there's something about technology that we're going to talk about, but let's like, like traditionally, and, and it sounds like this pertains mostly to unconventionals, fracking, right? Yeah. This is where we, we're, we are predominantly a North American footprint company. Intercorp is focused on U.S. and Canada for the most part, although we do fabricate a lot of equipment for inter- international markets. But but how does the so how does the handling of flowback different differ in terms of like like is there such a thing as having to manage that for conventional drilling right yeah, does, yeah. But, but you do it completely differently it's a different problem like I mean, how, I'll tell you even in the U S right like every well is different yeah like every well is different whether you're talking about something in the Delaware Basin versus Midland Basin versus the Northeast yeah. You've yeah. Got, of course, you've got dry gas wells versus liquids, liquids plays, but sure. even within the, the same region, 
Um, if you're producing from different zones in the Delaware Basin, that well is going to come on differently. Um, so we work with our clients on a one-by-one -one basis. So every well is different, even though we drill them all exactly the same way. <laughs> uh, yeah, something yeah. like that. Something like okay. that. Okay, I just, I just tracking. I'm tracking. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But 100%, we have application engineers on staff that you know we work with the client to understand what what are your, what are your expected volumes. Right. And then we say, okay, well, here's the solution that's fit for purpose for that for that particular application. Gotcha. Okay. So. And you mentioned when we were chatting earlier, you said uh, that the way, a lot of this stuff, the way it's handled in North American unconventionals is a little different from um, from overseas, yeah, right? That's so true. We, so, yep. so we're a little bit more um, confident of ourselves. We're sure of ourselves over here. Right? Absolutely. Always. Um, <laughs> so, so... Um, how so man so do so managing this flowback thing right getting getting from from like you said getting from bringing the well on to now you're producing what you need to produce in order to get your ROI um, how how has it been done traditionally yeah. well I, I would say traditionally um, if if you rewind the clock to the way things were done you know five ten years ago. The way we did things 10 years ago versus the way we do things today, um, traditionally there'd be a, a lot of excess equipment brought out to location. Okay. So yeah. multiple sand separators, uh, a three-phase separator, flare, uh, frack tanks that you flow to for some amount of time. And with that comes all the power requirements and the transportation yeah, and, requirements. And people. And, and, and people. a lot and of people. people they have to have it on location. Right, right. And people transportation back in back and forth from from location and i would say there's still a lot of people flowing back wells that way today where you know they have you know three to five uh large pieces of equipment per well to help uh handle that well fluid maybe they're flowing into frack tanks maybe they're setting setting up a temporary flare and flaring uh gas for some yeah, amount yeah, of time yeah yeah and really what we've tried to do is look at those processes and take an engineered approach and we've said how can we start eliminating a lot of this equipment and how can we thin down the personnel footprint? Yeah. And not everybody's happy about those things though, right? Well, I'd say, you know, other people that, that compete in our space aren't too excited yeah, about, yeah, about getting approach. rid of the equipment. Right. Yeah. Um, but clients like it. So clients, that's, sure. And that's, that's, that's the whole and thing. It, and right? it makes us more efficient. It makes the industry better. Absolutely. So flowing back. So I just learned something as you were talking there. So, so flowing back, like that's the verb, right? I'm trying to learn the lingo so that yeah. next time I can sound a little cooler yeah. when, when we talk about, Absolutely. when we talk about this. So, um, so to, so to flow back a well takes all these people, equipment, etc., And, um, like everything else in the last few years, we're finding out that, uh, like technology, like, well, and this is, this is sort of my soapbox on this show anyway, right? Which is always that people, and this is a perfect example because you've probably heard this a few times in your career. People who like to talk about oh, oil and gas, you know, they're kind of, they're behind the times. They're slow to adopt new technology. They're not very yeah. innovative. They're, and uh, I have a habit of like calling BS on all that because this industry innovates and has innovated. But, but a lot of times it's in ways that aren't like obvious to the average iPhone user, right? right. So right. this is a perfect example of the advancement and innovation of technology changes that whole thing that you just said with all these people and equipment and all that. So 
So yeah. you can't ask for a better introduction than that. So, <laughs> yeah. so, so what, what exactly uh, has, has, has transpired in, in course of all this innovating to make this easier? Yeah, so I, you know, I would say one of the things that we, said, what we looked at was what are the functions that really need to be provided, right? And in, in the North America, uh, unconventional plays, a huge part of cleaning up that wellbore is getting sand out of production, right? Mm -hmm. So we've we developed a... <laughs> after we put it in there, yeah, now we gotta we, get, after we now we gotta it, get it out. Yeah. Yeah, what goes down must come up in this case, yeah. right? We pumped down all this sand right. um, to, to, to frack the well, and now right. we've got to clean it up as it's flowing back, right? right. And so we, we developed a, a great technology, and we spent you know several years doing it. We started about five years ago uh, developing our Sahara Advanced Cyclone. Sahara Advanced, Advanced Cyclone. I know. Super wow. impressive name, right? It is. Yeah. Except that it spells, well, never mind. Just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, you know, we, we developed this great piece of technology that where, you know, previously you'd have to haul out three or four pieces of equipment to capture sand. We can do it yeah. in one. And right? when you say, just for those who have maybe not been on a frag pad, when you say pieces of equipment, we're not talking about like vacuum cleaners. Yeah, yeah. The, right? These are things that are like you know you're hauling them out using semi trucks, right? Right. And right. You're spending you're you're spending thousands of dollars just on trucking to get yeah, things to location. Yeah. If you can find the truck drivers. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah if you can find the truck drivers. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we we spent um, a lot a large amount of time, long amount of time, about a year, year and a half, developing the Sahara Advanced Cyclone. Tremendous amount of investment in computational fluid dynamics looking at fluid flow into the device to capture the sand mm -hmm. and do it efficiently without a lot of pressure drop. And really, we were able to thin that footprint down from, again, like three or four pieces of equipment down to one, mm -hmm. right? And then we knew once we got to one piece of equipment that was easy to operate, hey, now we can automate can this automate technology. automate it, right. Yeah, Hence the exactly. E. Yeah. The that gets to us to the E, the e, and e, e and flow e back, back, right? Yeah. So. <laughs> okay. So... So what is that? Um, okay, so you get rid of all this huge equipment. You get this yeah. one thing. So what is this one piece of equipment like? Is it uh, is it like a vacuum cleaner? What? It, it's kind of like a Dyson vacuum cleaner. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we're actually using Cyclone technology. Right. Uh, so you've seen you've seen the commercials, right? So Sahara yeah. Advanced Cyclone. There you go. Yeah. So it's it's like a, a 15 foot tall. I've seen the commercials. I've had no less than a dozen <laughs> Dysons in my house. That's right. <laughs> over the last 10 years. And yeah. they work, right? Yeah. Well, until they don't. But yeah. yeah. Until they don't. Yeah. yeah. So we're actually using it's a purely mechanical device. And we're using the power of the well, this flow that is coming out of the well, right. uh, to create a cyclonic action that will spin the sand out from, uh, from the fluid. And that sand will drop down into what's called an accumulator in the Sahara, this 15-foot-tall, yeah. you know, 20,000-pound. Uh, 15-foot-tall. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a big piece of equipment. Wow. But it's handling massive volumes of fluid and solids per day, right? So... You know, we we can flow up to you know almost thirty thousand barrels of fluid a day. Wow. Okay. And another you know ten ten million uh, cubic feet of gas. Wow. Uh, and if it's a dry gas well, you know we're talking forty fifty million cubic feet of yeah. gas a day. So high, very high volumes of of fluids being able to go through this device. Same device handles all those different things. Yeah, so we have to engineer it differently for the well setup, right? right. And what kind of fluid rates and pressures it's going to see. But we have adjustments we can make to that before pre-job to yeah. tailor it for the client's so, needs. So the hardware is the same. 
the external shell of the hardware. Okay. The right. And, uh, the, and yeah. we're just we're tweaking some internal components to make it right and yeah. fit for purpose for that application. Right. But you're not guessing, right? You have you have certain you have. We always work with the customer beforehand, right? Yeah. And we say, hey, what what are your expectations for this well? Uh, you know, they, they work with their reservoir team to say, hey, here's what we're expecting these wells to produce. You know, fluid rates at this at these pressures. And then we say, okay, great. Based upon this information at various points during your flowback, we recommend going with you know these these set points. Um, right, right. And and we'll we'll share gotcha. that information with the client. We'll discuss it, and then we'll choose what's going to be the best right, right, uh, right. setting for the for the client's needs. So this so you wheel this thing out there, and uh, the 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 uh, the flowback person, whoever it happens to be, now their life is very simple. They just grab the big hose and they carry it over to the thing and. Right. I'm yeah. Speaking metaphorically, but um, and then they like stand back, and maybe they gotta turn a dial every once in a while or something, and you go, "Hey, we could just automate this." That's right. right. Yeah. So, so what happens over time, right? Is you're you're flowing your well back, and 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 our operators on location are doing a variety of different things while while that's happening, uh, but certainly a huge portion of what they're doing is actually managing these sand returns, right? Yeah. So. Um, as the accumulator portion of the Sahara fills up with sand, you know they start to open valves to release that sand in right. and measure it. Right, so we re- we release sand into an open top tank, and we're taking measurements of okay, well that weighed, you know that this hour we produced a hundred pounds of sand, or this hour we produced two thousand pounds of sand. I mean, sometimes these sand volumes can be very very high. So we're gonna get to how, what do you do once it fills up, but but. Um, so, but the so the automating. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to guess. I haven't looked at what what you actually have, but but so now somebody can be like back on the couch with their iPad or something, yeah, and, for sure. And they can just like you know turn open those things and close them and make those adjustments without actually having to be on yeah, site. And the system opens on its own, right? So um, so the the way things work now is. Um, yeah, instead of a person actually opening and closing valves and manually weighing, right, right. you know, these heavy volumes of sand. Which, I mean, these these jobs are dangerous, right? Yeah, you're, yeah. You're, uh, I mean, we we take uh, we put all the right precautions in place for it to be safe, but you're right. exposed to it's the red zone. Yeah, it's yeah. the red zone exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so now we've uh, introduced technology that automates all those functions, uh, monitors pressure in multiple points across the well, so we know. We know the onset of a leak, leak even before you know a human on location would know those things are happening. Right, right. Nice, and, nice. And then, and then also in addition to opening and closing, you know, valves automatically and monitoring pressures, it's also weighing weighing sand as, as it's produced. And 100%, you can see all of that from the comfort of your couch or um, yeah. your mm-hmm. office or where, wherever right. you may be, right? Or, or the bar. <laughs> We, yeah, if it's the client, they can do it from the bar. I'm thinking of the bar. That's like right. in the yeah, middle in of the Midland, bar, of course. right? You yeah. can do anything from there, right? Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> um, all right. So, talk a little bit about. Um, so you, so you're a like a traditional kind of heavy iron company, and you said we need to build a. We nowadays we call it digital, right? But we need to build a software product. We need to enable this thing. We need to put an E in front of this thing. Yeah. And um, so, what was that? I mean, you, you didn't have a you didn't have a team of software developers sitting there going, 
hey, you got anything for us? Yeah, right? Like, that's right. Like, I mean, it, it, it's definitely been a transformation for our business, right? Right. Um, I mean, we've spent 10 years as a mechanical company. Right. Right. It's, you know, you, you put iron on, a, and we, we were engineering things, right? But it was, you put yeah. equipment on location, uh, everything was operated manually. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would say probably three or four years ago, we recognized the need to, um, the opportunity and the need to automate. Um, it's what our clients were asking for. Yeah. Um, and when you look, and when you look at the cost of doing these jobs, and you say, okay, well, there's a lot of personnel cost in that. Okay, there's an opportunity to automate. When you look at the safety exposure on location, mm-hmm. you say, okay, yeah. putting people out there, like you said, in the red zone, right? Um, by helping reduce that human exposure and and also just having more data and awareness of what's happening, sure, it makes that job more more safe. And then I would also say we looked at it and we said, you know, how can we reduce the emissions profile of these jobs, yeah. right? And that all comes, quite frankly, with automation. Right, because it's more precise and it's more consistent. And, um, and your timing was good. So three or four years ago is exactly when I typically say, um, for those who listen to my other OGGM podcast, Digital Doers, we talk a lot about just overall digital transformation efforts. And general consensus is that the oil and gas industry started taking digital transformation seriously um, right around that time. So your timing was good. Right around 2017, 2018 was when, yep. was when we said, okay, we survived 2014, 15, right? We, learned, we, we did some of the traditional means of tightening our belts and, and streamlining operations so that we figured out how to get by on $50 crude or $45 crude. But Turns out Wall Street still wasn't happy, right. so there is a lot of uh, pressure to to deliver more shareholder value. That was right around 17, 16, and that was when people said, "We got to look at doing things really differently." Exactly like what you were. So that, was, that that's my view of what was happening back then. Were you guys were you kind of plugged into that 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 thought stream, or were you just lucky and 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 kind of thinking of it at the same time as everybody else? Yeah, I would say we were definitely plugged into that thought stream. But then I would also just say like we were listening to what our clients were saying. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. Okay. You know, right. and, and when and when they say, "Oh my gosh, does it really take this many people to do this job?" And "Oh my gosh, is this really how much I'm going to be spending on, on this profile of of, of work?" Which right? interestingly, they didn't just a couple. They didn't used to say, right? right? So they started saying that, which That's is exactly right. the point, right? There was this new pressure in the industry. Yeah. Um, so you were there to say, huh? Yeah, and luckily, I would say for us, we had a technical staff, right? That's that's because a lot of flowback companies, you know, I mean, they, they provide great service, but they're just buying equipment, right? Uh, you know, buying equipment from other equipment right. providers, they're not doing we, the engineering. Yeah, and right. so we we we're we're a fully integrated company. So we do the engineering, we build the equipment, and we provide the service. Right? Yeah, yeah. And and I think I think that's really helped us view what customers were saying and not say, okay, well, is there, is there somebody out there that's making something that I could just pull in to fix this? Right. No, there's not. But, you know, be, we could fill that gap because yeah. we have the technical yeah. staff to develop the technology. And, and really, that's the way we looked at it was we listened to what customers were saying and we yeah. said, okay, yeah. there's an unmet need, right? And, and let's go fill... Radical Let's go thinking. fill this radical, yeah. <laughs> radical thinking. Let's do it. They so want what, it. Give it to them. Right? So as you were, so, so in your in your days as chief commercial officer, did you consider? Because uh, I've been, I, I've had to do that that kind of that same job um, for something completely different. And you look at like, okay, where are the different 
what are the different sort of sub market segments where this thing where we could sell this and yeah. would, so did you look so you mentioned the other flowback companies who aren't able to respond to that did you look at them as a potential kind of a market like a white label market or some way to 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 use that to gain more market share yeah i mean we've definitely considered other strategies of hey should we you know um you know, sell some of this technology to other service providers right. and sort of weaponize yeah. the competition. <laughs> okay, that's one way to put it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, that, maybe that's a poor choice of words. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you might okay. want to edit that out. Yeah. Uh, but um, but yeah, so do we, you know, do we do we yeah. put that technology in the hands? Because that could people? be very successful for a lot of, a yeah. Lot of companies. And, yeah, yeah. And I, yeah, I think that's the Intel approach, right? You know, yeah, you, exactly. You feed technology to other folks to enable them. The to OEM compete, right? kind of, right. And, and I just think, you know, for what we do, um, it also requires the Sahara Advanced Cyclone in addition right. to this automation equipment because you have to have this very efficient piece of sand capture technology. Sure, sure. And uh, Like the remote control for my Dyson doesn't work on my old, like, Electrolux, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Yeah. yeah. And so it, it would be, you know, we, if we were to do something like that, it would, it would absolutely be outsourcing our entire portfolio. And right. You know that. That's so at just that not point, you're doing all the work, and you're sacrificing your brand, right? Yeah. yeah so and so it's just that. not a strategy we've we've uh, decided to pursue. Yeah. And and at the same time, it's it's you know you you need the you need the great sand technology, you need the automation equipment, but then you also need the application engineering, right? Right. Because you need you need to have the team that can communicate with the customer up front to say, hey, what what is this well going to look like, and how do we how do we tune the Sahara? to meet the needs of your application. Yeah, so what you're describing is, um, you know, very much a turnkey effort, right? Like yeah. you're, like you're. Um, by the way, this is why I kind of went down that road so that um, this was like the softball that I teed up for oh, you. I love so. it, I love softballs, <laughs> so, yeah. So uh, in other words, uh, to get the full experience of all of this, it's not just about having like the nifty tech or the, right, it's it's, yeah. it's everything. It's, yeah, you've got to have the ecosystem. That's what we call it, right, is, is the right. ecosystem of what we can provide, right? You know, one piece doesn't do it. If you And even for and even for the e-flowback, it's composed of a variety of different machines. Yeah, there are people out there trying to do one machine here or one machine there. Right. But until you integrate it and have the whole, um, again, not to overuse the term, but ecosystem. Yeah, actually, you, that's a you don't get the full value out of it. Right. You just don't. On top of that, and you mentioned you provide the services and you got the application team and every well is different, right? So Absolutely. it's not a one size fits all. It's fast. It's it's. I mean, this is exactly the kind of stuff that um, you know is happening kind of all over the industry, yeah. right? You're, you're um, um, like, we're, we're making things run faster, better, cleaner, smarter. Um, so anyway, I, I could get on my soapbox about being, about how the industry innovates, but, but, uh, but this, this is good. It's really good. So what else? Um, um, so if somebody, uh, so if somebody says, uh, yeah, like I, that's what we want. Like, that's what we like. I need to get some of that over here where we're like, do they just, do they just like call you up and you show up with your Dyson thing? And like, <laughs> is there some sort of transition? Do they need to like, like, like unwind off of what they've been doing and, yeah. and what's, how, how, how do I get from where I am to there? It, you know, it definitely requires some planning, right? So, um, I, I would say, I, I would say another, that's another thing that's a little bit different about us is I think 
you know, a, a traditional flowback company, you may call them and say, hey, we're rigging up on this location tomorrow, right? I need you to come out here. And they say, yeah, yeah, let's do it. So, I mean, you've got automation equipment. It's linking into SCADA platform so that right. you can communicate with it. Um, you know, we're trying to tune our Sahara specific to the well needs and requirements. Right. So, you know, it, it takes a little bit of planning, but, uh, but, but for sure, you know, if we've got a good timeline, you know, let's say two, three weeks, four weeks, before they actually complete the well, right? before they before they want to bring that well online, right? Let's yeah, well, okay. Assuming they're bringing it online after they, right? Yep. Yeah, let's right. start talking about you know what are the needs of your well, um, you know how are we going to link into your SCADA platform? Are we going to operate independently? How do you want this to communicate with you, um, so that they can they can also see these things in real time from wherever they are in the world, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, nice. So th- those are those are yeah. things that we have to think through about uh, about deploying this system. But two to three weeks is not bad. No, no. That's but it, but it's definitely a change in process for um, you know for what people are used to right. in this space. I mean, right. they're they're used to just calling and saying, "Hey, show up in in two days and rig up your equipment." Probably right? the hardest part is they got to change their procurement process and their contracts process. That's the that's the yeah. In, in <laughs> just just in that. some cases, yeah, in some cases just, for sure. Just that can be difficult. That's where they need to go see our friends over here at Data Gumbo with their. <laughs> <laughs> with their modern contract automation yeah. solution. They're actually right behind those walls over there. Oh, that's cool. Um, all right. Well, we're, I'm, I'm, hold on. I, I'm, I'm saying I'm looking at the timer, except I got to put my glasses on. Yeah, yeah. We're getting to that point where we should wrap up because people might change the channel. So um, uh, what? So people want to learn more about yep. this. Yeah. Where I mean, absolutely. Come, come to our website, um, intercorp.net. Uh, we have a full eFlowback page on our website. Um, I would say we, on our LinkedIn channel, we've got a, a an overview video. Oh yeah, uh, I'm sorry, on our YouTube channel, we YouTube have a, channel, an overview, yeah. overview video of uh, of eFlowback. Um, check our LinkedIn feed; we've yeah, got yeah. Uh, tons of information. We've, we just actually prepared and published a case history. Oh yeah. Um, so BPX Energy was a great partner right. with us. That was they were the former BHP. That's right. North American Assets, yep. right? That are now part yep. of. Yeah, yeah, BP, right. Yeah, so... So they're uh, still going. I mean... Yeah, absolutely. And I think from what I understand, BP is sort of like, they're still kind of running as a as a unit, right? They, yeah, B- BPX Energy is their lower 48 operating company, right? And so they've got they've got a great presence in the Permian, in the Eagleford, right, in the Haynesville. Right. And um, they were a great partner for us in the development of the eFlowback technology. Yeah. Um, because one thing I would say is um, a lot of customers... You know, th- this is a very high-pressure process. Um, you know, uh, it's a situation where clients are a little bit concerned about, maybe a little bit concerned about leaving leaving the location in their rearview mirror. Yeah, sure. And not having anybody out sure. there to watch the well, right? Right. And so, as we were going through the process of developing eFlowback, um, it, it was probably like I said, about a three-year process for us. And the last year and a half, we worked very closely with BPX. Uh, in the development of the, mm-hmm. the requirements for eFlowback and then doing risk assessments. Right. So saying, okay, here's all the things that could potentially go wrong. How do we mitigate those problems? How do we have measurements in place to mitigate those problems? And how do we have redundancy, the right level of redundancy in place, not to overcomplicate or cause too much cost to the system, but to make sure that you know we don't have the potential for uh, you know, a significant release of yeah. well fluids. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, and you got to get, and you, you're right. People have to get a comfort level, um, especially now, right? We're so conscientious about so many things. Yeah. Um, 
that uh, I could see where that's probably very important. Like, like you can't just walk in and say, "Don't worry, everything will be fine." Yeah, yeah. yeah. They they, they want to see that. Yeah, that's right. And and then they were, you know, they were great to partner with. And to date, you know, we've uh, um, we've been on lo- uh, you know, probably a dozen or so locations. Um, we've had, you know, probably a couple dozen wells that we've uh, utilized eFlowback on. Right. Okay. We've, we've managed over 1.5 million pounds of sand. That's a lot of sand. Eve, yeah. How do you get the sand out of the Sahara, by the way? Which is kind so of a funny question if you put it, it all by itself. That's right. How do you get the sand out of the Sahara? So it's opening and closing valves. Yeah. Um, Where does it just, go? And the pressure of the well. So then we 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 uh, uh, we blow it down into a, a sand quantification unit. Uh-huh. And that sand quantification. It's a sand unit, counter. Counts yeah, counts sand. <laughs> it weighs the sand and then releases it into an open top tank. Okay. And on that open top tank, we're also measuring you know how full is the tank, and we can call out back trucks. To actually yeah. pull pull the sand and and produce water out of the tanks, and uh, you know safely take that for disposal. Right, because uh, you can't reuse it. No, we cannot reuse it. Yeah, yeah. we're, yeah, we're looking bad. at some other technology to help minimize that waste, though. Because uh, one of the things that we're 100 percent focused on is uh, you know continuing to reduce the environmental footprint of the processes that we're responsible sure, for sure. on location. That's a it's a popular thing to do right now. Yeah, yeah. well, it's just the right thing to it's do. It's the right, right thing to do. Right. Um, yeah. And and quite frankly, it eliminates a lot of expense. Yeah. You know? So yeah, it's yeah, sure. it's it's green, but it can help make our customers more green by right. you know putting more money in their pocket too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I would say, you know, we're looking at uh, we're able to do all those things um, with with the system today, and we're for sure looking to continue to improve the. Um, the emissions profile of yeah. what we do into the future. Thanks for going because I, the one thing that I usually try to ask and I forgot is is like what's on the horizon. Now that you've now yeah. that you've conquered that, what's on the horizon, <laughs> right? So sounds sounds like uh, e- even more better than what it was before. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And and I would say, I mean, we're a company that we don't believe we don't go by the mantra if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, uh, we go by the mantra of innovation's always possible, right? There's no system that's optimized. You know, you, you continuous innovation is how you make yourself better and better and better and deliver more value for our clients, you know, tomorrow than we did yeah, today. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, um, that's, that's, uh, that's big talk from, uh, <laughs> from, uh, from something like, a, I mean, you know, you don't, you don't hear people, uh, in traditional, you know, big iron type, you know, yeah. equipment services business. They're not always quite that plugged in with that way of thinking. It's good. Yeah. 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 No, I, I just, I just think that's, that's built. That was, <laughs> so before we started today, I told Mark, don't worry if there's any background noise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the, the constant innovation is, it's just part of our DNA. Yeah, it's you good. Know, it's, cool. All right. And it's what our industry needs. Uh, for sure, absolutely. It uh, we we're, we've we've done it before. We continue to do it. Um, so, Mark Freeman, thanks for uh, coming down here to the. Was it was it far for you to to get down here? Yeah, we're up in the woodlands. Oh, so was, yeah. yeah. It was a bit of a haul down here, but yeah. forty minutes without heavy traffic. Yeah. So. But but look at but look at everything that comes with it, though. That's right. <laughs> it's, yeah. That's right. So thanks for uh, thanks for making that drive, and um, we will uh, we'll put all that stuff that you said in the show notes. And uh, that's going to wrap it up. That's Appreciate great. it. Yeah, thanks for your time. All right, Enjoy sure. it. Well, there you have it, folks. Intercorp's Mark Freeman and some amazing things going on out there in the real world 
of oil and gas operations and uh, some incredible technology. And let's not forget how to get the sand out of the Sahara. That is going to wrap it up for today. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, thanks for, uh, for being part of the OGGN family. As I mentioned, the Oil and Gas Global Network is the largest and most listened to. Ah, you've heard the thing. You've heard me say it before. Go to OGGN.com. Find some more podcasts to listen to. And... Then tell your friends and family about it, and then all together we can all be inspired to do something good for this industry. Thanks always to my audio fixer guy, Mr. Mac Roman, who makes us sound fantastic. And remember, anytime you hear somebody talking about oil and gas being behind the times, old-fashioned, not innovative, you know, you know the speech, right? When you hear it. You got you to gotta set those people straight and you got to explain the history lesson and tell them that we were tech before tech was cool. Check us out next week for another entertaining and yet useful episode of Oil & Gas Tech Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.